Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix, where the water is always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to save a real-life experience from launch to coxie at every level. We're Tara Morgan and Rachel Friedman, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Say hello to everyone and welcome to Steady State Network's Rowing Podcast Roundtable. Uh, I'm Rachel Friedman, a co-founder of Steady State, along with Tara Morgan. I am based in Washington, D.C., and Tara is across the country in Vashon, Washington. Uh, we are masters rowers and coaches and entrepreneurs, and together we bring more than 50 years of rowing experience to the work that we do. So yeah, I'm Tara Morgan, and I'm here in uh, Washington State, the other Washington across. And if you're new to Steady State Network, uh, we launched during COVID. And our goal is to reframe this popular yet limited narrative about rowing culture. Um, and we like to celebrate expansive array of rowers and coaches and coxswains and talk about real life stuff. And we really love coaching education to uh, creating space for everyone and fostering community. So has anybody listened to our podcast? Thank you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, we made a very concerted effort to listen to at least one or two of all of your podcasts. So we've uh, we've been really enjoying hearing your voices. Uh, one of the things that we really wanted to do with Steady State was focus on uh, backstories. Uh, we really believe that those experiences on and off the water really make us who we are today, whether we're a podcaster or a, a rower or a coach or a coxswain, because we have all of the above um, here today. And with that in mind, we are witnessing an explosion of podcasts related to rowing. I think prior to COVID, there was maybe three or four that were actively like producing content. Um, we hadn't seen anything from the short and snarky coxswains in a while, but we know that they were out there. Now, this isn't even a comprehensive uh, the group. This is a good representation of the group, but this isn't everyone. We're missing, I think, uh, at least six. Uh, other podcasts that are rowing related. So we're really excited that we wanted to bring everybody together and make this happen because we want to find out what it's been like for you and where you all came from. Rachel. Okay. So joining us today, pretty sure I've got my list correct here. Joining us today, we have uh, representatives from Broken Oars podcast, End of the Island, Faster Masters Rowing, Girl on the River, Ready Row USA, Rowing Chat, Rowing Ireland Podcast, Science of Rowing, The Row Show, and The Candid Cock. That's crazy. Uh, yes, yes. All right. So like Tara said, there are other podcasters out there. We know of some of them, certainly not all of them. I just came across another podcast yesterday. <laughs> and like Tara said, some folks, we... we um, we asked to be here and they couldn't be here. We're going to do our best to set up interviews with them in the near future. Okay. Yeah. So you may be, you may notice who's not here and we just should acknowledge uh, we weren't able to get uh, decent rowing, uh, rowing in color, uh, rowing with Bill Chambers. Just, there was a few uh, voices in rowing, Daniela Nacheslova, who just put out women's voices in rowing. Um, so, you know, not everybody's time schedule worked out, but we're hoping uh, to hear from everybody eventually. First of all, thank you for everyone who is here today, uh, repping your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for putting your trust in us, the newbies in podcasting. We're glad that you're here to have this conversation. Uh, we've got folks from across the United States and around the world, and this is just awesome. I, I, I've got a little tingles. I've got a little like my, my hair standing on end. So do you feel like you're sitting at the start? Like you've just locked oh, onto the state yes, coast, right? Yes. <laughs> Sitting at half slide. Yeah. The heart is pumping a little bit. Yeah. Whew. We have alignment. All we right. We have alignment <laughs> and go. Okay. So. so if everybody could say your name and your podcast and where you're calling from today. Hi, my name is Aaron Jackson. Uh, I am one half of Broken Horse Podcast. I will answer to Aaron, 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 Aragorn, Estrogen, Stop Thief, Hey You. I've heard every possible variation of those things, uh, of my name. Uh, my partner in pod, Lewin, my wonderful partner in pod, my, my friend, my crewmate, my mentor, and actually my, my legal owner and guardian because he is a <laughs> southerner and I'm a northerner and that's how it works in Britain. 
uh, couldn't make it this evening. So, so he, he sent me along to, I believe the technical term is represent Broken Oars podcast. Thank you for having us. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Uh, I'm one of the co-hosts for Science of Rowing, along with Will Ruth and Blake Gourlay. Uh, we uh, publish a digital publication every month that includes uh, written summaries, uh, as well as a podcast uh, focused on mobilizing the wealth of academic rowing research for coaches and rowers of all levels. Uh, and I also host my own podcast, Leo Training Podcast, that focuses on high performance and sports sports expertise. And I'm in Limerick, Ireland. Hi, yes. So I am the host and producer of the Rowing Ireland podcast. So Rowing Ireland is the governing body of uh, the sport of rowing in Ireland. So it's their official podcast. Um, And it only started uh, less than a year ago. Again, I think it was a bit of a COVID project. So I interview the high performance athletes who are getting ready for the Olympics, uh, coaches, event organizers, and we cover flat water, coastal, offshore and indoor rowing. Uh, hello, thank you for having us. Um, I'm Marlene Royal, and I am one of the hosts of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Um, Rebecca Caro is also a co-host. Rebecca is down in the corner. And um, Faster Masters Rowing Radio started a couple of years ago as um, the first podcast devoted to Masters Rowing. And um, we were a monthly podcast and during COVID we went to weekly. So we broadcast every uh, Eastern time, every, every Thursday at 6 p.m. And I am an American who lives in Canada. So I'm, I'm based in uh, Knowlton, Quebec, which is about 20 minutes over the Vermont border. Um, I could ride my bike to Craftsbury Sculling Center from here. And uh, Rebecca is in New Zealand. so. So we're a weekly podcast. I'm Patricia, uh, also known as Girl on the River. I'm possibly the newest newcomer to the rowing podcast world. I only launched in November. I'd done Sourdough, I'd done Tiger King, so it was the obvious next step. Um, But my podcast is a sort of accompaniment to my blog, which has been going for nearly 10 years, also called Girl on the River. And I am calling in from Monmouth, which is just on the border of England and Wales. uh, I'm, I'm Fergus Mainland. I'm coming from Edinburgh. Uh, but I'm also president of Newcastle University Boat Club this season and the host of The End of the Island, uh, powered by Junior Rowing News. Uh, for those who don't know it, Junior Rowing News, it's, um, it's probably the preeminent uh, rowing organisation in the UK. We specialise in, in race previews uh, for events all across the country. And as soon as COVID hit in March last year, we thought, well, how are we going to keep engaging with our audience uh, over the course of well, however long it's going to be? So we thought, well, the obvious thing to do is, is launch a podcast and we said about with the podcast wanting to to preview races another way of doing it but we haven't been able to do that but it's been fantastic to hear uh, everyone's stories and i think that's the most important thing that we've noticed so far it's everyone's got a story to tell and wants to tell it and uh, we've been able to use our platform uh, as a way of sparking conversations uh, important conversations that need to be had as well so we're very proud uh, to be able to do that at the end of the island as well uh, hi, everybody. I am Whitney Powell um, in Newport Beach, California. So we're lucky to have a little sun right now. I am the host of the Candid Cox podcast. I have been podcasting for quite a while, but um, through the generosity actually of Rebecca Caro, she kind of set up a platform for me to allow me to begin um, getting my my coxing talking going. So that was really fun. Um, we basically talked to everybody about everything, but it's kind of geared towards coxswains and leadership. So we get everything from being um, talking about being a woman on a men's team and vice versa to diversity to, um, you know, what it's like uh, having national team rowers and kind of helping coxswains improve um, through all different angles from all over the world and hearing all different strategies. And um, we have so much fun doing it. It's super candid. So nothing's off the table. And we just go at it and have super casual, fun conversations with all your favorite athletes, coaches, and personalities in the sport and have a really good time doing it. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm uh, Lawrence Britton uh, from The Row Show, the one half, and uh, the guy with the slightly smaller beard is Jake. (laughs) How's it going, guys? It's uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to be on, on this together live and seeing everyone else out there.
Yeah, yeah and I mean, we started the, the row show back in, 20, in 2017. And because uh, both uh, me and Jake are, are both professional athletes uh, rowing for the South African team. And after just our experience in, in the Rio Olympic Games, we just we, we really saw how many stories every single athlete has. Uh, so going back on, on Fergus's uh, point is just everyone has this amazing story. So we started the show just to kind of share that out. And, you know, we just kind of grown pretty organically from there. Yeah. And uh, we usually are based in South Africa, up in Pretoria and Johannesburg. But uh, we are actually currently on... Uh, rowing camp in the mountains of Lesotho, which is a small landlocked country right in the middle of South Africa. So we're coming live from Lesotho, yeah. Well, I, I was really appreciative of these uh, two uh, because they are in the middle of training, obviously, for the biggest event uh, coming up uh, very quickly. So thank you for taking the time. We have a couple more. Yeah, um, I'm Charlotte Pierce. I'm, we're, I'm produced the Ready Row USA podcast. And like many, we started out with... Um, rowing chat and give a great uh, we have a great uh oh a lot to to rebecca for getting us started in this field but i'm coming up on the 90th episode which i just kind of can't quite believe um usually about twice a month and we go for a half an hour or so and we focus on connecting people uh clubs we don't we any no club is too small or too humble <laughs> Um, or too large or too posh. <laughs> but uh, we do a lot of interviews, uh, movers and shakers and Olympians. And, um, but we do try to focus on, you know, what people, what ordinary people are doing out there and in how they're enjoying their, uh, you know, rowing and growing the sport. So thank you. Appreciate being here. And last but certainly not least, I, I think that I could argue that Rebecca was at the forefront of rowing podcasting in general. She's uh, also the head of uh, this Rowing Chat International, but I'll let, I'll let her introduce herself and, and talk about her role because she's connected to a few different uh, projects here. Thanks there very you. much, Tara. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Nice to see everyone there. Um, yeah, podcasting is... Part of a pattern of my rowing and professional life, which is I spot a trend way too early, way too early, uh, and, and launch something. So I started podcasting in 2013, and we started off using gaming software, um, believe it or not, uh, because gamers, you know, commentate on, on each other's shows and stuff. And uh, we slowly migrated as new tools came available. And I used to run it as part of the Row Perfect business, which I used to own. And so Rowing Chat was an interview show about once a month. We featured uh, coaches mostly and athletes, mostly on the international side. And then uh, we, I sold the business and insisted that I wish to keep the podcast myself. And at that point, I then had the inspiration, which is that it needs to be a platform business. And by that, I mean the opportunity to as you've kindly said, the launch the careers of others. And I think um, Charlotte, Neve, Whitney, Joe, I think Joe was the first to join us, Aaron, um, welcome. Very nice to see everybody. And my basic idea was to use the audience that we already have to bring new voices to uh, from rowing, because we all have the different stories, as you all know. Um, and so Rowing Chat continues, and um, I do twice a month, um, an interview. Uh, recently, it seems to have been with authors, um, but uh, also we've started diving deep into the businesses that sell products and services into rowing. So I did a, a big one with Ludum, who you'll probably have heard of, which is the crew mm -hmm. management platform software recently. Um, and Kat Bishop's uh, long win book is very popular. Okay, so we've got a big table of people, and you know, as podcasters and people who do interviews, that we want to make sure everybody gets heard and we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to speak. So please absolutely just uh, raise your hand, jump in. And I know that this, so there'll be a lot of things that we're going to start conversations about that we want to continue talking to you about. So hopefully this is going to foster some new relationships among each other and maybe new guests uh, and, and topics for your own shows. Uh, roll call. Um, who is, has been an Olympian? 
I think once they're Olympian, they're always Olympians, right? Mm -hmm. We learned that. Right. Yes. Yes. We don't say former Olympians. If you (laughs) have rode at the Olympics, you are an Olympian. We were expecting a couple more podcasters here today who could have raised their hand on that question. But um, Rosho, guys, thank you for being here. Okay. Uh, I I just want to ask one quick follow up to the Rosho guys. Are you guys, do you guys row the pair? We have rode the pair together. We rode in 2018. 2018. We raced together, but um, most of the time we in different boats we row with. So we okay. just on the team together. Yeah, we okay. we are under the you know we under the the guidance of our coaches. So you know uh, selection and whatnot. We you get rotated around into fours and pairs. But we do on the pairs. We do spend a lot of time in pairs and a fair amount of time in fours as well. And Jake has rode in the four most uh, 2016 and 2019 and then i was in the pair 2016 2019 brilliant it's my favorite boat loves the pair it's my favorite boat i call it the truth teller it's my favorite yeah 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 going on i i do like this question um marlene is asking how about head of the charles well she specifically said winners so let's say head of the charles winners i've been in the top five rebecca marlene whitney Okay. okay. The, the question I would like to ask as someone who has not been a winner, but who has gone, how many folks have rode the head of the Charles? Okay. A handful. Uh, yeah. If okay. So then from- is Henley the, is it Henley versus head of the Charles? I it know on be, one of the yeah. podcasts I listened to uh, Zach Lewis from Canada's podcast called doc talks. If you haven't heard it, his rapid fire at the end has Henley or head of the Charles. Yeah. And Aaron Jackson is raising his hand. Um, I don't think there's, I don't think that Henley and Head of the Charles are equivalences because because Henley is a um, match racing kind of regatta format. I think Head of the Charles is still a, um, it's it's like a proper head race as we as we have in Britain. It was just to say that that we we rode the length of the Thames a, a few years ago from Letchley down to Tower Bridge, and it's it was. It was an amazing experience and it got us all fit again after not being in a boat for a while. So if, if anyone ever wants to, you know, do a, a long form row, we'd recommend that. But we then said, right, we have to do Head of the Charles because it's such an iconic thing. And we all committed to it at Tower Bridge. Yes, we'll go and do Head of the Charles and then life got in, in the way. So I'm just I'm raising a hand for those of us who would like to do it, but have never quite made it across the pond. Well, we have a coxswain, so Whitney could cox us. We have, <laughs> this would be our, on Sundays, they do mixed eights, but all of my scholars, we'd have to do a mixed quad. Okay, anyway, okay. last last question. <laughs> okay, another roll call question. Um, who has a significant other that rose? Including children, if you have children that row. When I learned to row, I remember my novice coach saying to me, you, rowing will take over your life. You will date rowers. You will marry rowers. Your children will, will be rowers. The irony is I ended up with someone who is not a rower. And I think it's very interesting that many of you uh, are in the same, in the same boat. Oh yes. The rowing widow. The rowing yeah, I, I want to do a whole show of the rowing widows of the the family members who are, don't go to regattas. It's the worst spectator sport in the world. Or know? they just, they're, they're tired of us talking about rowing. They don't want to listen anymore. Um, Which by the way is why Rachel and I started Steady State Network was because we would like to yammer on and on and on all day about rowing and no one else wants to talk to us about it except all of you. So thank you. There is a song from Newfoundland from the St. John's regatta called the rowing widow. Really? Oh, I have to look oh, into that. I'm excited about that. Send us a link to that. That's great. <laughs> I was going to say, talking about rowing widows, we, the three weeks, the three weeks in Lesotho that we spend, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, takes a real uh, takes toll, a toll on uh, our wives and, and better halves uh, back home. Aww. Yeah. Our, our partners have to be very um, patient, patient <laughs> with us. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at SteadyStateNetwork.com. And we're back with this special Steady State Network podcast roundtable edition. So we all bring, as podcasters and rowers, vastly different experiences, personalities, and outlooks, but we were all novices once. So I wanted to ask um, Marlene, what do you think the hardest thing is about learning to row well? 
the orientation of which direction you're trying to move the boat and mm. not the direction that your eyes are looking. True. Okay. I can, I can speak to that as a master's learn to row coach. They can't figure out what their right hand from their left hand and from front to back. That's a, it's your right. It's a very hard directional thing. Well, um, it, it, it's part of it because if you have a reference that you're moving this way, you will never overreach because your, your weight is falling opposite to the direction that the boat is going. Okay, I agree. I think that understanding that when you take a stroke on starboard, how it affects the boat versus how when you take a stroke on port, uh, that took me a long while to figure out. And yeah. I, I've seen that a lot with my novice rowers as well. Speaking I of that. Throw, I would, oh, I would throw in um, just along with that concept, the concept that you're moving the boat past the oars, not the mm. oars through the water. Oh, I mm -hmm. love that. And you know, I, how many people used, uh, have seen drone footage of, uh, of rowing, right? And you really see that concept in drone footage. And we so, have a solution for the uh, right and left port and starboard. Computer. What's up? Well, we put a red stripe on the port because it has four stripe. letters and port wine is red. But and everything else the, is starboard. <laughs> <laughs> but for our UK folks, uh, we've been getting schooled in bow side, stroke side. Yeah, Thank we, you. yeah, we like to ask people what side they like to row and they don't know port from starboard. So we need to get yes. used to saying we should know side, though. We're supposed side. to know. And some, um, <laughs> some umpires will will pick on you and, and tell you to move to port just to trick you. So you have to have a sticker on your boat and don't yeah. write it on your hand if you're coxing and rowing at the same regatta. That's my top <laughs> tip. Yes, I've written it on people's <laughs> hands when I'm teaching them to row it in, and learn to row. I'm like, here's your numbers. Yeah. Is that the same in South Africa? You do port uh, stroke side, bow side for you guys? Yeah, we do We do stroke side, bow side, which is standard. The standard. Yeah. It's the, uh, and, the, proper, the proper way of doing it, stroke side, bow side. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So I love what Rachel said about um, when that occurred to her. And I know for me, Marlene, that concept of you're, you're, the boat is still and you're moving the boat through, right? So there's some great graphics for that. But that's a great example of a light bulb moment. And we've had so many great folks tell us on our podcast about that light bulb moment that they were like, ah, okay, I get it. I know what happened for me when I was a master's rower. I just had this moment in the boat where I go to myself, I said to myself, I get it. I get what we're doing. Okay. I get it. And it was, and it has to formulate in your own mind. So does anybody have a good light bulb moment story to share? Aaron looks like he's really got one cooking up there. In his <laughs> there are like, so many and uh, that there are so many and so many of my coaches will now email me and go, we, we coached you for decades. You've had no light bulb moments. You've been lying to these nice kind people. Um, I think my light bulb moment was, and just coming back to the difficulties in kind of coordinating in a boat, my initial experience was that the gap between my perception of what rowing could be, because I started rowing after seeing Redgrave win his fifth. I, I literally went down to Agecroft Rowing Club the next morning and got put on a rowing machine to do a 2K test at eight o'clock with a hangover, which um, I recommend to everybody listening, um, and got hooked by it instantly. And then, even though it was such a brutal, tight race, Redgrave's fifth gold, the boats just seemed so sat and so level and it looked it looked so easy and then when i went out in a boat it obviously wasn't so 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 easy so i suppose the light bulb moment was we were we were in an eight we'd hacked up and down the river we'd gone down it sideways we'd gone down it every which way but the way we were supposed to and then just at the end of the outing we all took a stroke together and came out clean and the boat literally sat up and sang through the water and it was like right it was like a synesthetic thing this is what it feels like. This is what we have to do. And there's a huge gap between that realization and making it happen. And a lot of training had to happen. But it was that almost like the first time someone plays golf and they catch it sweetly and they go, I will now wear Paisley knitwear for the rest of my life and, and be a golfer. Uh, that was my realization moment. And then it was, it was working. It was putting the work in to get from my realization moment to making that happen more and more often. I've also got a quite a similar one to to Aaron is is just you know learning to row. I started rowing in school, and I think probably the biggest eureka moment I had. I've had a couple, but I think the biggest one is just coming to the realization of the importance and you know the 
of the feeling of running and, and rhythm in a boat because I think uh, just like Aaron said, when you watch the top guys um, that perform, it doesn't look difficult. It looks, you know, it looks relatively easy. It looks fluid. It looks, you know, very dynamic. And I think, you know, that was a, a massive thing for me to realize is that it's not a, a purely physical effort, which uh, sometimes, you know, that's all it is, but, uh, you know, really working out that abstract idea of rhythm and run and getting that right. Because just like Aaron said there, where you finish the boat and everyone comes up nice and square, you know, once that boat's running, with that good rhythm, you can literally row on for, for Ks and miles and miles and miles. So very, very good stuff. And, and Lord knows you, you too have probably put in mo the most mileage uh, in the last few months, probably more than all of us combined to get that going. Have you experienced a perfect stroke yet this training season? There's no such thing. I don't, I don't think there's, <laughs> oh. there's, a, there's such a thing. We, I think we've done maybe two, maybe close to 240 Ks this week already in the boat. So, and yeah, you just kind of constantly honing the, the skill and, you know, there's always a better stroke. So you always kind of, okay, that feels good, but what else can we do to, to make it feel a little bit better? Yeah. You, you're always hungry for more. It's um, the rowing. Rowing is a very technical sport. So there's always something that you can chase and there's always another, you know, there's another level, another rung in the ladder that you can climb. So I'd love to ask this question also of, of Whitney, who's coming at this from a coxswain's perspective. Um, I spent a lot of years as a really stubborn small rower who refused to be a coxswain. And then I realized, okay, like I really should just get in the coxswain seat. Everybody thinks that I should. So let me do this. But um, I have an idea in my mind of a time where it was going really wrong when I was a new coxswain and then I had a light bulb moment and I can tell you about that another time but I'm wondering if you uh, as a new coxswain or even as a very experienced coxswain had something happen where you said oh this is where I've got my coxing mojo down. Um, you know to be perfectly honest it takes a few years to do that um, you know, I don't, I don't even feel like I was starting to have my own style until probably year three. And I've been doing this probably 15 plus years now. And I think the biggest light bulb moment is honestly ownership. Like the moment that you realize, like it's, you're not just there to parrot instructions or to repeat what your coach says that you actually have ownership of your boat and you are in charge and you, um, you can actually, you are part of the team and you can affect what happens next. And, you know, you are there to be there for your men. Um, I'm, a, I'm a men's coxswain, so I just say that, but for your women, whoever it is. Um, but honestly, I think it was just the real realization of like, this is my boat. I'm like, I'm here. And that really changes how you do everything else. Like how you present information, how you relay information from your coaches, how you proceed, how you race, like that mindset changes everything moving forward. Yeah. Thank you, Whitney. Um, Joe DeLeo, we talk about that perfect stroke moment and that light bulb moment. Do you think that technically and scientifically it is possible to have a perfect stroke? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> Please. Yeah. <go> <laughs> I, you know, you may be able to look at it from a uh, eye, from the naked eye, coach's eye, and um, check all the boxes in terms of like a textbook rowing stroke. Um, but I think internally, you know, the athletes, uh, as, uh, our guest from the row show said, you're, you're always searching for, uh, to make, to make the rowing stroke a little bit better, to make it a little bit more efficient, uh, more fluidity, more dynamic, uh, improve the rhythm. Um, so I think the, I think the best ones out there are always kind of searching, searching for that next one. Yeah, it's and especially these days, you know, we're all kind of spending a lot of time on the erg, you know, there's any number of perfect strokes you could take on the erg, right? Um, but it's, we're not getting <laughs> far between, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that this morning during our hour yeah, piece, I was, I was like, I wonder if any of these that. would be a perfect stroke uh, yeah. out on the water. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'd love to hear a couple more rowing origin stories. Does anybody have a great uh, rowing origin story that they'd like to share about how they got into rowing? Fergus or yeah so I I probably started off in probably the worst stretch of river in the entire uh, UK uh, up in Edinburgh we've got this tiny canal it's about 1500 meters long and it's not actually 
big enough to get eights on it. Uh, you can't actually get coxless boats out on it, so no coxless fours or quads, uh, just because you can't actually see around the bends with all the weeds and everything. Um, <laughs> but it, um, it's 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 produced uh, a great number of Olympians, be it Polly Swan or Catherine Granger. So it's it's got some heritage to it. But yeah, I, I actually rode out of the same boat club that my parents rode out of and my brother rode out of at school, George Watson's College. Um, and yeah, got stuck into it with the um, the year seven learn to row course and and didn't look back. But despite having that terrible stretch of river to row on, which freezes over between uh, November and February every single year, uh, we were very fortunate we had Strathclyde Park, which, which had the European Championships in 2018 that we were able to pop along and use that course uh, most weekends. So yeah, very fortunate to have that as well. So I want to hear from uh, from Rowing Ireland. Remind us, uh, where did you fall? Were you in the Coach Coxon rower? Where did you fall in our roll call? Um, in all of it, really. So I started rowing when I was 10 years old. So um, it, with the Coastal Rowing Club. And in, in Ireland, coastal rowing is, is quite traditional. They used to be timber boats and then they changed to fiberglass. So that's what I started with. And then um, when I went to university, I started river rowing. And then I transitioned into what we call offshore rowing, which is everyone else in the world calls a coastal rowing. Um, so through that, then I, I got into a single and I competed at the World Coastal Championships in 2017 and 2019. Um, I am also a coach in my club and I've been coxing with uh, since I'd say I was about 12 years old as well. So I kind of I've seen it all and done it all. I love that you have all those different perspectives and and uh, what's the club that you're with? What's the club called? Galley Flash Rowing Club. Fantastic. And uh, I know that I see Marlene's got her hand raised. What do you got? Um, I was a juvenile delinquent in high school and <laughs> Yay! Um, I was introduced to rowing through our school truant officer, <laughs> a man named Jim Schaub at Westside Rowing Club in Buffalo, New York. And um, Westside is a very, very old club in Buffalo. At that time, there, there were 11 clubs at the turn of the century through various mafia fires and things like that. Westside Rowing Club is the only club that exists still in Buffalo, New York, but um, that was back in 1977. And uh, my truant officer said, hmm, you know, you look pretty athletic. I'd never done any sports formally. Why don't, we're, we're starting girls rowing. Why don't you come down to the club? And, and the club had been a very established club. It burned down in, in 1976. So it, we were rowing out of a temporary building and uh, these two real old timers taught three or four of us how to row. And, um, and again, this 1977, there were very, very few girls rowing at that time. And, uh, and basically I said, that's it. I stepped in a boat and I never left after that. So that was 1977, my second year of high school. And um, Buffalo is just over the border from Welland, Ontario and St. Catherine. So at that time there, there was essentially no junior rowing much for girls in the United States. So we did all of our early rowing in Canada. Brilliant. Um, I, I love that. And it reminds me of a podcast guest, because we're going to talk about podcasting next. A uh, podcast guest that we just had. I don't know if you got to listen to this episode. It's one of our most downloaded episodes, and it's about anxiety and PTSD and rowing. And this particular <laughs> athlete just blew our minds. Uh, and Westside Rowing Club was the club that she went to and the coaches that changed her life, literally saved her life um, from uh, some childhood trauma that she was uh, recovering from. And, you know, that's kind of the beauty of, of how Rachel and I run our podcast. You know, I know everybody's got a different topic um, that they do. So Rachel, let's dive into podcasting. Okay. So you are all here because you're podcasters. We're here because we're podcasters. We just got into this game not that long ago, um, but we're very curious about what brought you into podcasting and uh, what else is going on in your life that you think you can do this, <laughs> right? So um, who here, again, this is another roll call, hands up, who has a background in, let's say, journalism, film, television, radio, or other media production? A, a few, a good number of you, okay. So, um, and then I am curious, who started a podcast just in the last year? Yeah, who's a COVID podcast? 
Code podcast. Okay. We've got three of those. Okay. Yeah. And who's been at this, let's say two to five years, your podcast? Oh, Marlene, Whitney, The Rose Show. Great. And oh, Joe. Okay. Joe. And is there any, I think there are a couple folks here who have been podcasting for more than five years. Yeah. More Rebecca, than five years. For yeah. Sure, for sure. Yeah. So we've got a lot of uh, experience levels here, and we're hoping to hear a little bit from each of you about your experiences um, starting and managing your podcasts. Uh, for uh, folks who are coming at this from um, a background of uh, journalism, film, television, media production, um, could you tell us a little bit about how you decided to take that part of your life and transfer it into your rowing life and combine the two for a rowing podcast. So maybe a Whitney or Fergus. So Whit Whitney, can I just preface this with saying, I could tell that you had a journalism and news background. I watched your podcast and I was like, this girl, she is sharp. She knows how to interview. And it wasn't like Cox and sharp. It was like journalist sharp. So I just want to give you props because Thank people you. listen to our wow. voices yeah but people listen to our voices and they can tell whether we're confident and they can tell a lot about our preparation clearly right so whitney sorry go ahead i just want to say props to you yeah thank you oh my gosh that's like you're too kind um yeah i went to film school i worked in film and tv for ever since college and um i do broadcasting now so i run my own company and i go to different regattas i've done henley i do um, the broadcasting at Head of the Charles every year, um, you know, with Aston Martin and Brooks Brothers and I'm um, part of the timing crew and stuff. So I go out there and um, I just love interviewing. I love talking to people. I love talking to my friends all around the world, um, you know, from so many different countries. Um, I'm inspired by everybody. And I, I sort of like to build the community and bring everybody together. And since I talk a lot anyway, that's my job. So I figured that was a great medium to just kind of connect people and bring it together and just hear everybody's story like everybody has been saying so and I want to make sure everybody gives themselves the license I use the term creative media entrepreneur so I'm going to give you all license to call yourselves creative media entrepreneur um, because we've come at this with little or no skills um, I'm curious about the people too who have zero experience and just made this happen out of thin air i would say that rachel and i and rebecca yeah uh kind of had that experience i do all of our editing i do all of our post-production uh don't produce put, send that out so thank you whitney that's awesome who else was a film and media fergus yeah yeah so i've i've been writing i was writing about rowing since i was 16 17 uh, and i first got involved in the press office for the boat race uh, which is how I got into junior rowing news as well. And I spent a number of years just just writing about rowing, just writing about rowing events, um, which has been awesome. And uh, working at the boat race, working in the press office at, at Henley Royal has been some fantastic experiences. And then second year university, I got hit with uh, glandular fever. So that sort of sidelined the old rowing career uh, for, for, the mean, for the meantime, but it allowed me to branch out and do other things. So I've been running... Uh, social media for Newcastle University for a couple of years before taking over as president but it also allowed me to get into commentating with uh, British Rowing as well and doing events with them has been a fantastic insight into into that part of the, the rowing world as well. Fantastic thank you. All right so Charlotte we see that you had your hand up um, what would you like to add here? Oh I just started uh, live streaming in 2012 on Google Hangouts when it first started so I'm a big fan of live streaming. I like the immediacy and the sort of engagement of it. And mm -hmm. um, and then when Rebecca came along, she was using that Google Hangouts, um, you know, YouTube live uh, format. Yeah, I sort and, of connected with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's a few of us who here does video. Uh, I know Whitney does a video version. Mm -hmm. Joe does a video version. Marlene, yeah, and, and Charlotte and, and Rebecca. Uh, and then a lot of us, the rest of us are exclusively audio. We do a coffee chat every Friday as a as supplemental to our program. Um, but this live streaming thing is, is definitely very interesting. I want to ask Girl on the River, because she started this as a writer, and took her blog to a podcast format. So similar to Fergus and, and Whitney taking those skills forward. How did that work for you? 
I'm a journalist already. I mean, I've I've basically spent my career asking questions because I was a barrister first. So obviously I asked a lot of questions there too. Um, and then I was, I've been a journalist since 2006. I've been basically making it up as I went along because I've had no journalistic training, but um, I've been blogging since 2011. Um, and so kind of, if, if I'd known there was such a thing as podcasting when I started the blog, I'd probably have gone straight into that because it sort of would have worked better. But I kind of used the blog as a platform um, to showcase my writing and I picked up a few copywriting clients that way. Um, but podcasting, is just it just sort of felt really obvious. It was just lack of time that stopped me from doing it sooner. Um, and yeah, it's, it's actually interestingly a very very different skill because as a journalist you're I don't do broadcast I just do print um so as a journal as the the questioner you're completely in the background all you're after is getting that soundbite getting the answers to the questions um and you don't think about how you come over you know you might put up with listening to your own voice on the transcript but it's not about you and then suddenly you're kind of there and being heard and and that's been quite difficult and interesting to get used to. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Um, before Tara and I started Steady State Network, um, I founded something called Row Source in 2014, and Row Source is dedicated to masters rowers. And that started as a blog. Um, I was coaching at the time, and I had I had a lot of people, a lot of rowers asking me questions, and it was the same 12 questions. So I decided to start writing about it so that I could talk to my rowers and then point them somewhere. So it wasn't about me. It was about the sport. It was about technique. It was about coxing, whatever it was. Um, and what I, not just podcasting, but just with the rise of social media, you are the brand and figuring that out and getting comfortable with that. And Tara and I are massaging that and figuring out that out with steady state. How much is our face? <laughs> how much are our faces out there? For a lot of you guys, it's really just your voices. I want to know if anybody's had any surprises. Oh yeah. During Surpri a podcast, during a podcast yeah. recording, has yeah. anybody had any kind of wing dingers happen like when answers you... you weren't expecting things that went sideways yeah podcast guests that left oh uh, <laughs> uh, Aaron go ahead um we've had a few uh, I'm not sure how serious you want it to be we we did a, a fantasy rowing eight episode and we found that uh, Conan the Barbarian had actually rode Matthew Pinson out of the stroke seat for that one so that that was one that happened and then we, we were really fortunate because we started the podcast because every time Luna and I rang up to talk to each other, we'd say, hello, how are you? How's your wife? How's your children? So I was doing this piece the other day and this happened. Do you remember, remember we did that? And we thought, you know what, we'll just do a podcast. And it was just us kind of blathering on as we, we still do. And then Andy Hodge dropped us a line and said, I really like what you're doing. Can I come on? And we went, oh my God, it's, it's Hodge, you know, the finest stroke of his generation, you know, blonde, god of rowing and it, he came on and we were he was he was lovely and approachable and all the rest of it and at one point he went yeah man racing 2000 meters is so incredibly boring and we went but you have three olympic gold medals but no winning olympic gold medals is amazing it's fantastic but racing 2000 meters oh my god give me a river anytime and we kind of went journalistic scoop surely and then he was on to the next thing and that it just completely surprised us because we thought it would be this kind of focused it's the event it's the distance it's too long for a sprint but too short for endurance it's the perfect test no it's really boring 2000 meters give me a river anytime so that was a bit of a shock yeah oh but okay patricia so I, I haven't anything like that, but my husband works in the office next to mine and there's a very, very thin wall between us. And after every interview, he's like, I can't really believe you asked them that. Because there's always some, there's always one question. He's like, oh my God, she didn't actually ask that. <laughs> oh my God, you have a peanut gallery in your house. Uh, anybody else have some shockers in the row show? Yeah. Yeah, so we got a couple, but uh, we'll just stick to to, our, to the one we when we interviewed um, Zeno Muller. We already knew it was going to be a, a roller coaster of a of an episode with him, and he basically hijacked our show. I think uh, we only asked him like two two, yeah. two or three questions <laughs> the whole show, and he just went on an absolute steam train ahead, and we just like we just couldn't even cut in or anything. It was 
which was quite a quite an experience. Show show your respects, boys. Show your respects. <laughs> Zeno's yeah. got the microphone. It was amazing. It was amazing. We yeah, you it. know, yeah. you do have to consider that when you book people. You know, you have to you know sort of plan for losing the I think train. It's the, the number one thing is actually is that rowers like to talk about rowing. Yeah. And is like once you get them going, then it's this, you know, you can you can basically chat for for days and days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Rebecca. I have a similar but related one where I had a an interviewee who was nowhere near as glamorous as you know, and I made the mistake of sharing my questions with them in advance. But my Ooh. first question is always the same. Introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them about your background in rowing, which they did. And they then proceeded to answer all the other five questions I had lined up. And 15 minutes in, we finished. Oh, <laughs> all that prep. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I think one of the, has, yeah, one of the hardest things, I think, is to, to you know, appreciate Whitney's expertise. And, and a lot of you all have it. But um, just knowing what when to time those questions and when to like let them sort of wind down and jump in with another one it's a real skill and yeah i've been i've been really trying to pay attention to other to other podcasters i've been trying to pay attention just generally to interviewers and listen to how they do it I'm one of those people here in the U.S. that listens to NPR all the time. Maybe that's the equivalent of BBC, you know, BBC News. Um, and I'm really getting some really interesting ideas from N NPR hosts, some of them who just will ask the question this in three different ways before allowing their guests to answer. That actually kind of drives me crazy. I'm like, you've already asked it once, so you don't need to rehash it and say it again. The best, I feel, are folks who ask a question give space for the person to answer. And then whether or not they have something interesting to add, they just move on to the next question. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is an interview, you answered my question, here's my next question in this series. And I actually sometimes think that goes really well, especially when you're in a time crunch or you're someone who really likes to talk like Tara and I, we can go on tangents three different ways off of someone else's answer. And it's not always about us. So how yeah. do you, how do you fold that back in, you know, keep it nice and neat and then move forward. I just want to jump in. Aaron has to leave us uh, from Broken Oars. Yeah. So I want to say thank you so, so, so much for making time uh, and taking time away from family time and, and coming and hanging out with us. It's been super fun and hopefully this isn't the last time we hang yeah. out. So I, I hope not. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, lovely to meet everyone and all of my colleagues and peers out in, in podcast land. And uh, thanks for organizing this and inviting yeah. us on. It's been definitely. Catch thank up you. soon, guys. All right. Yeah. See you, Aaron. Bye. Bye for now. So I'm curious if anybody has interviewed their dream guest or has their dream guest on their list. Like, who are you wanting? Because Lord knows this group is very well connected. We could get you. I mean, Patricia Carswell alone can get us. <laughs> I have one. What's I up? love, I, we, at the U.S. Rowing Convention 2019, Yeah, we snagged uh, Anita de France. Anita de France, yes. That was just you were there yeah and um that was just so much fun and also matthew pinson we that was really fun because he has the biggest hands you've ever shaken <laughs> oh you know, like, wow he's got giant hands <laughs> giant hands he's like paws you know big so but, uh um, rebecca yeah. says she wants uh jean christophe roland all right rocho you guys are nodding your heads very enthusiastically have you had your dream guest or are you going to have your dream guest yeah, I think we've 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 actually spoken to some awesome people, and I think for me, there have been some personal, uh, you know, idols in the rowing world that I've chatted to. I think one of them is Drew Drew Ginn. He's been a massive uh, person to chat to, absolute legend in the sport. And I think going forward, I think the the big ones for us, obviously, you know, if we talk about rowing, is is Matthew Pinsent and um and Redgrave, and then I think also along with that is um. So nobody's uh, representing the lightweights. I, I think I would say the Sinkovic brothers and uh, the guys from Ireland. Neve, have you gotten to interview those two? Those two guys are fantastic. I've, I've interviewed Paul, the younger one. Um, Gary was 
due to come on there a few months ago, but uh, things got busy with him. But yeah, I got one of them. <laughs> the Donovan brothers. That's who they yeah. are. Yes. Yeah. Those, if you haven't seen their YouTube, they're, they're fantastic. Um, for me, I'm going to say, and I get a little emotional to two people, Jebby Stone and Eric Murray. If anyone can get me to Eric Murray, <laughs> he was on one of Crossy's Corners just a couple weeks ago. And it's brilliant. It is a brilliant interview, mostly because Eric Murray is wearing a very loud Hawaiian shirt. And it just makes me so happy to hear him. Um, but anyway, does anybody else have their dream guests? Fergus, yeah. Yeah, we actually, I think a few episodes ago, we had uh, Colin McCabe and Simon Van Dorpon, which is was pretty cool to chat all things world records. But I'm actually, I'm a big American football fan and have been for about six or seven years. And we had we had Jason Bell on uh, last summer, uh, who, who presents at the BBC NFL uh, stuff. So to actually have him on was, was really quite cool, having watched him on the TV and stuff. But we had him on to talk... Uh, about racism, inequality in sports, uh, along with Daphne Marchenko and uh, Chris Lambert, a GB sprinter. Um, and just hearing from them their, their experiences with racism in, racism in sport, how, to, how it may not necessarily be something that we in the rowing world are so aware of, um, was just fascinating to hear. So their three stories, but uh, Jason in particular, having watched him on TV for, for so many years was, was very cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I just wanted to say one thing, Fergus, um, before I had really looked into junior rowing news, I, I had listened to a couple of episodes of the podcast. And I just want to let you know, I think that you are doing an amazing job there. Your voice is amazing. Your, your poise. Um, you've been at this now for a few years. And I just big round of applause. Um, you come across as someone who's been at this for, for 10 years or more. So you're, you're a pretty young guy. You're still in, in university, right? And um, you, you've got a great career out ahead of you. I am positive of that. Yeah, yeah still at uni and uh, I think trying to, trying to do as many master's degrees as possible so I don't end up in the, uh, in the real world. <laughs> Put it off as long Put as possible. <laughs> So Marlene, I'm curious. I was yeah. just wondering on the master's side of things, like who's who's the celebrity you would want to have on uh, from the master's perspective? Um, I think from the master's perspective, well, there's, there's a few people. One is a scholar named Chuck Cook, um, who started training with me when he was 65. Um, he hadn't rowed before. He was a very good athlete, but then he went on to win the 70 plus um single at the head of the Charles for a few years in a row. So he had quite an interesting story as a, as a master's, um, as a master's scholars. And uh, Rob Slocum was a really well-known master scholar from Connecticut, who was, um, I think, what I would call an elite master's scholars. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of them out there, actually. Maureen Harriman from Whistler, um, really, really top-notch in the top three scholar for the head of the Charles in the past five or six years. So Yeah, so we, we all have um, some dream guests. Um, what I'm really impressed with is, is the breadth and scope of who we've all met, who we've had the opportunity to talk to. And um, I'm sure maybe we can help each other out <laughs> if we're looking to looking to do some networking and, and get some guests on our on on our shows. So um, for our roundtable guests, um, Tara and I know that um, this is our introduction uh, to a lot of you and we are really glad to meet you. And we do hope that this is just the beginning of, a, of a, a nice ongoing relationship. So let's all be in touch. But before we wrap up, uh, there's something that Tara and I like to do at the end of all of our podcasts uh, called rapid fire. So normally we just have one guest and that one guest will give us their answer, but we're going to ask a question and ask uh, a couple of you each to answer, uh, answer that question. Is everybody ready for rapid fire? Okay. Here we go. Okay. This, this is for uh, Rosho and for Fergus. I have Porter starboard, but I'm going to say stroke side or bow side. Stroke side. Stroke side, stroke side, stroke side is the best. All right, stroke side yeah. is the best. <laughs> uh, for faster masters and girl on the river, bow seat or stroke seat? 
stroke seat. Bow seat, we're puff at puff. <laughs> uh, for Ready Row USA and uh, Neve, salt water or fresh water? Fresh water. <laughs> um, uh. Let's see. For Rebecca and Science of uh, Rowing, question is head race or sprint race? Head sprint. Race. Um, Particularly with bendy corners and trees and bridges. Yeah. yeah. The more bridges, the better. Um, okay. For Candid Cox and for Girl on the River, uh, favorite, because you're both coxswains, uh, favorite coxswain command to give or receive a favorite one to give or receive no nope. yeah. we don't receive we give yeah, just i know giving. for giving <laughs> yeah sorry giving what's your favorite coxswain command to give finish them <laughs> can you say it in your coxswain voice i might be a little it's assertive speaking so it's more like right. boys finish them you know you cut you you, you rein it in deadly yeah. Yeah, that's the one you like, you like dial it down. All right, Patricia, let it fly. What's your favorite? Okay, so actually I'm gonna give you a new one because oh. somebody reminded me of uh, one that I used when we were in Finland um, doing the Sulkava, which is an amazing like 70 kilometer race over two days. And uh, we were coming up to the end and apparently, I don't remember this, but apparently I said, I can see the finish, I can smell the beer. And that's what got them over the line. <laughs> comes up a lot, actually. That comes up a lot. We get very excited about our beer and whatever it is we're going to eat after the race. <laughs> so if you want to hear her other answer, it will you will roll. You will laugh so hard about her answer. Listen to her episode po uh, podcast episode with us. Oh, my God. We... I wish that I had actually not been muted because we were laughing so hard, but we had muted ourselves. <laughs> I don't know why she's so embarrassed. I know this is a little bit insider, but um, Patricia Carswell also interviewed Tara and I for her show recently. And the answer oh, yeah. that we gave her about coxing, and it, it goes off I the I think rails, we need to so hear it. We need to no, hear it now. No, not right. Not right now. Not okay. right now. Oh, it's it family show. Yeah, family show. Okay. Family show. Okay. Uh, to the row show. And to Ready Row USA, uni suit or two piece? Uni, uni suit. We keep it classic, Archer. Yeah. Two piece. Two piece. Yeah, she's keeping it Masters Real over there with the two piece. Good. <laughs> okay. okay. And so, because a, a lot of us are Masters rowers and we row in the morning, I suppose you could row any time of day, but we're curious uh, do you drink coffee before or after a row? This is to everybody. Or no coffee. Or no coffee. Before. 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 Raise your hand Both. for before. Quad espresso before. Quad. Before I'm going to play after. the before I'm after play it during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Before and after. And yeah. after. I'm going to yeah, play yeah. the British card and say I drink tea, not coffee. Thank you. Tea. <laughs> Yay. 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 Yeah. Frankly, if, if I ever get back on the river, it'll be champagne. Oh, I know. Oh, we yeah. should all raise a toast the first time we're back on the water. I agree. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been so fun. We know it's right after an hour. So we wanted to keep true to our word that we would keep you uh, just a short amount of time. We hope this isn't the last time we see you all. Um, Thank you for sharing all your stories and your insights and your experiences and uh, as being these creative media folks. We'd love to get to know you uh, even more. So you are invited to join us uh, every Friday. We go live on Facebook and Instagram for our half hour coffee chat. Basically, we shoot the shit, catch up talk about rowing, talk about anything that anyone else wants to talk about rowing related. Uh, so that's live 30 minutes, Facebook and Instagram every Friday. And um, maybe join us on Sundays. We do a 60 minute steady state row on Zoom Ergos, which has been a ton of fun. We're meeting people from around the world who join us. Um, and last but not least, if you want to get all the details about all of this, uh, please sign up for our weekly newsletter at Steady State Network. Com. And just like everybody else, you can follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So we hope to see you all around there.
And for all of the people here, the panelists, uh, just thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It's great to be colleagues with all of you. Uh, great to be in your in your lineups and on your team. So hopefully we can keep these relationships going and and uh, do this again sometime. And we'll be on your podcast. You'll come on our podcast. Um, and if, for the listeners, there'll be a very comprehensive show notes page with all the links. Thank you, everyone. High fives. High fives. Thank you for being here. We hope to see you again soon. When you join the Steady State Patreon community as a subscriber, you're supporting a new narrative in rowing, and a couple of your fellow rower entrepreneurs make it happen. Patrons get bonus content, swag, and early access, so join today at SteadyStateNetwork.com, on Instagram and Facebook at SteadyStateNetwork, and on Twitter at SteadyStateRow. into let it run that's one two let it run i want to know what the collective noun for rowing podcasters is